The content here is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult a healthcare professional with any medical questions and concerns. If you are experiencing an emergency or need immediate help, call 911. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapeutic relationship. I just get so angry. It's hard to sit still. I don't want to be this way. My brain just feels all scrambled. Welcome back to Scrambled. I'm your co-host, Nikki Shields. And I'm Chad Douglas. This is our second bonus episode, and we kind of thought with the holiday shopping season here, some of you may find gifts on your wish list uh, for family and loved ones that involve some technology or may help quell some anxiety or anxious feelings in some kiddos. So we thought we would talk about if they work, if they're worth it, how you can try them. Yeah. So I I wanted to start this episode by just saying that my career started before a lot of the technology that we have today. So even, you know, in therapy, it was all paper and pen. You know, we didn't have electronic medical records. We didn't have telehealth. We didn't have a lot of the cool things that we do. And so it's just been really, really cool to sort of grow up as a professional in this field and see all of the really great ways that technology has improved mental health um, or has given us tools to help improve our mental health. So I, I have enjoyed that. And there's a couple of specific developments that I am just a huge fan of. Well, let's, you, you had mentioned telehealth because that's, yeah. that's really new, like within the last year or two, right? Telehealth's been around for a while. Okay. Um, probably, I would say several years for, for some um, places, some companies, but generally speaking, health insurance did not cover telehealth services. Oh. And I remember being told once, no, you will never be able to provide telehealth. Their insurance is never going to pay for that. And then COVID hit. And mm-hmm. now that's everywhere. And so, yeah. um, of course, COVID is not a good thing. And, and But if you know, we find the, the good things that come from the bad, um, telehealth is one of the greatest advancements, I think, in the world of mental health in a long time, um, because people have access to mental health care that might not otherwise have been able to. Transportation isn't in the way. Um, you're able to, you know, I, I would say one of the biggest benefits we found is that um, if you have to stay home because your child is sick, um, you're still able to see your clients that day because you can see them via telehealth. And so there's just lots of really cool things that we didn't have in the past. Um, and, and telehealth is one of those. So it sounds like you're a proponent of telehealth, but I have to ask in your job, is it, do you kind of lose that personal connection though over the internet and the, the ability to read body language? Mm-hmm. That's such a good question. And so, yes, yes. I mean, the easy answer to that is yes. The more complicated answer is that uh, some people are really, really good at engaging and kind of keeping the, the you know, therapeutic vibe going via telehealth. And some people have a harder time with it. Mm-hmm. It depends a little bit on ages. So very young children um, who, you know, maybe have a shorter attention span um, or have a hard time sitting still, telehealth might not be ideal for them. They just don't get quite the, the same one-on-one attention that they might have with a counselor in the office. Um, but, but it can still be a great way for parents of young kids to get support. Um, and it can work really well for teenagers or preteens who kind of like to be on their screens anyway. It's a good way to get those kiddos um, to feel just a little bit more comfortable because they're in their own home. You know, they don't have to leave and go sit in a a clinic or an office somewhere. Um, They can be at home in a space where they feel safe and comfortable, and then they can talk to an adult who, you know, can listen and and help them come up with some good ideas. So it's good and bad. And I think it can work for some and not for others. And bottom line, it's another resource out there Mm -hmm. for folks who need help. They can get it. Absolutely. And you're, you're starting to see other businesses 
pop up that where you can go to the website and you can sign up mm-hmm. and you hear all the time on on other advertisements like we're so popular we're hiring therapists in all 50 states mm-hmm. because there's that much of a need for mental yeah. health in this country the mental health need is at an all-time high at least in in my career this is i've never seen the energy and attention placed on mental health care and and the importance of access to it has been really, really big. And so, yeah, there's lots of different places. Lots of local mental health facilities can offer Mm -hmm. telehealth. Um, But if you don't know any place around you that offers that, um, there are lots of online-based companies who are offering this. Of course, you want to check them out and make sure they're legitimate and, you know, ask lots of questions about, you know, their payment options and how that works. But um, they even, there are some companies that will even do, in addition to your counseling sessions, you'll have like the opportunity to text back and forth um, with your therapist, or you have a certain number of messages per day so that they can kind of help, you know, coach you through tough moments and kind of help you keep going on a hard day. So there's just lots of cool options there, but you want to do your research and make sure that it's the right place for you. Interesting. You had also mentioned there about screens and you said specifically teenagers, but I mean, younger kids all the time have screens and I don't know. I guess I'm kind of on the fence. You know, at my old job, I was called Switzerland because I would always see kind of both sides of everything. But, you know, studies have shown that increased screen time can increase your risk of anxiety and depression. But I'm also going, technology is not going anywhere. So if you introduce the technology to the kid at a young age with limits and let them grow, it becomes natural because it's not it's not like we're going to wake up next year and it's just all going to be gone. No more no more phones or tablets or anything. So what advice do you have for parents who might be looking to make that leap this holiday season with, we're going to get my, uh, you know, whatever year old kid, his first phone, or she's going to get a tablet um, to help her out. So, you know, this is a topic near and dear, and I I get questions about this regularly. And, and you said it very well that like, if, if we're going to live in a world that's full of technology, we should be introducing it along with kind of rules, guidelines, limits, things like that early. Um, Because if your child gets their first device at say age 12, and they've, they've never, ever, ever had a limit placed on them, that, that, that can be a bad situation. Chad, I wanted to comment on something you said just a minute ago. You mentioned that staring at screens can contribute to anxiety and depression, and that's absolutely right. It is. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about why. It's not just staring at it, although there is some science that supports that the, the lighting and the screen can impact your sleep cycles and affect your stress level and things like that. But hmm. the, the big thing with lots of electronic and and screen time is that you're missing out on other activities that Mm. help to prevent and combat depression and anxiety. So you're not exercising. You're not talking with your spouse. You're not interacting with your children and teaching them their ABCs. You're missing out on sunlight. You're missing out on a lot of these other activities that are designed to build resilience. And so it's not that the screen time in and of itself is bad. It's just, it's taking you away from things that might be more meaningful and might enhance your life and and help to you know offset those kind of symptoms. Interesting. My wife and I had a lot of long conversations and finally broke down and got my son a phone, uh, the one with anxiety. And so far it's only been a couple of weeks, but he's done really, really well with it. Mm-hmm. He's been very respectful, um, very responsible with it, which we knew going into. Um, but we had long discussions with him and I say we developed, I totally ripped it off years ago when my kids were really young from a friend of mine who wrote up a cell phone contract Mm -hmm. and I saved it in my phone and got new phones and saved it in new phones. You know, I just, I've always had it. So we we pulled it out, kind of adjusted it to him and went over it with him over the weekend and said, this is what it is. And so I'm tempted to put this in our show notes. And if you wanted to take a look at it for your child, if you're thinking a a cell phone's a good thing for the holiday, 
then maybe you can use it and, and adapt it to them. But it's so far so good. Knock on wood, right? <laughs> yes. And I, I, you went about it the right way because that's the thing. If you are going to introduce these things, and as you mentioned, you know, there's technology everywhere, so we mm -hmm. probably should introduce them. Do it with those boundaries that help them to not only like continue good health practices, um, but just, you know, not develop that dependence on their electronic device that we see so many adults with today. Um, I I, you said you were going to post that um, like sample contract. Uh -huh. That's a great idea. It's a great way to kind of educate kids. And if you start with it, it's so much easier than introducing it, you know, two years into having a phone. It's not that right. you shouldn't. If you have a child who has a hard time managing their own screen time, you, this is a, a tool that you can still use. It's just going to be a little bit harder to get their buy-in. Um, I wrote an article a while back about kind of guidelines for screen time and device use for children at various ages. And so I will post that in the show notes as well. It's got some some tips for specific age groups. And Good. Yeah, I, I, I look forward to reading that as well. Uh, Moving on to other technology, since we're kind of in the technology thing and, you know, you might not know specific things that we talk about. We just kind of want your general, um, I guess, opinion or, or philosophy against them. But like a, a, a VR set, a virtual reality set, for some, I think that could make people very anxious. Depends on what you watch. But back in my TV broadcast days, I did a story with an outfit out of Columbia, Missouri called Story Up. And they had developed this app and this technology called Helium. And it's like a little band you wear that measures brainwaves and stuff. And then you put the VR set on and it's very relaxing music. And there's like butterflies. You try to capture them or you see the like earth rotating. As it, it was very calming. How about stuff like that? Does that work? Can it work? So I don't think there's a yes or a no answer to something like a virtual reality um, headset or, or that kind of technology. I think the trick is to try it and see if it helps you. I mean, virtual mm. reality is everywhere and there's lots of different ways that you can access it and things that you could use it for. Um, but for some people, like you said, might make them more anxious for others might be a really great way to practice some skills and um, chill out and kind of escape a little bit. So I, I think it, it depends on you. And with any of these things, um, you, you might find something that works really well for your friend or your friend's kids, but then you use it and it, it's a, you know, it, it does not work or does not fit for your family and that's okay. Um, but I think it's worth a try. Yeah. Well, the problem with that specifically is it's so expensive. So if you're going right. to try it, you know, save your receipt for 15 days or whatever the return policy is. Yes. Learn those things or borrow from a friend. Somebody's yeah. got one that you can use. Some of the other things I wanted to talk about were more, and you could try them for free, and that's apps. Certain apps that will help calm you or meditation apps, or I found one that would help you curb negative thoughts about yourself. There are so many apps now that you can use to manage mental health and wellness. If you go to your app store and you just search for terms like mindfulness, coping skills, mood tracking, calming, you know, stress management, mood management, there's there, any number of terms along those lines are going to lead to just a bunch of really cool apps and lots of free ones. There are some that you can pay for, or you can have in-app purchases, like you said. And mm -hmm. um, I, my recommendation there is find one that looks appealing and try it. And if you don't like it, uninstall it and try another one. Um, there were four that I have experimented with and really thought they did some pretty cool things. And so okay. I thought I'd mention those. Um, some of these do have, you know, a few that goes with them where you have to buy like a, a membership or, or whatever. So you have to kind of decide your budget on this kind of thing. But one is Headspace. Chad, I don't know if you've heard of Headspace, but uh, they, they're doing a lot these days. I, I think I saw something on Netflix, like they have a, a series of shows hmm. maybe too, um, but they can help with all kinds of things. There's meditation, uh, sleep related 
help uh, movement, things to kind of encourage you to to move in a way that reduces stress. Uh, they've just got some really great resources on there. Dalio um, is another one I found, and it was free, but I do think that that was one that you could buy, like the upgraded version yeah. as well. Um, but it's kind of a an online diary, but like for your mood and other things that you want to track. You can track sleep, you can track your food intake, you can track your stress level, your emotions, anything that you might be having a hard time with, you can enter there and it will um, kind of prompt you throughout the day uh, to do different things, to stay active, to jot down how you're feeling, that kind of thing. It's, it's a great one if you're interested in kind of a, a diary. Like if you recognize that certain things are good for you, like hobbies. Like I know that I am healthier and happier if I'm reading regularly. So I could sort of plug that into this app and then it would sort of check on that and would encourage me to read a certain amount each day to make sure I'm kind of meeting the, the quota that helps me. Um, and so it's just, it's good all the way around. Um, and then another one is called Mood Notes and it's pretty similar. Um, it's developed by psychologists and it's, it's to help you track your moods towards whatever goal you have. So maybe your goal is to increase happiness or reduce your stress. Maybe you want to just feel calmer. Maybe you want to deal with some specific fears or phobias. Maybe you want to figure out like what's impacting your mood, what's making you feel stressed. So that's an app that can do that. And then the last one is called Calm. And Calm, I just opened it. So it made some noise. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm what calm already. Just talking yeah. about it. And, and that's what I was going to say about it is like, I... Even just opening, you can kind of hear the the nature sounds, the mm -hmm. the imagery in it, the the pictures, the the things that just when you open the app, it is is very soothing, very nature based, and so um, there's a lot of really cool tools in there. That is one where I think there's a, a membership or a fee, mm -hmm. um, but I've heard a lot of people talk about that and have really liked it. So that's one I would recommend trying if you if you have the budget for it. Yeah, and I know they have like celebrities read you stories too. That's or do cool. that with the ASMR where it's like the sounds and stuff, which mm -hmm. can freak people out too. Yep. So since I started kind of researching some of these things, a lot of ads have been popping up on Facebook now for things to calm my anxiety, which I personally don't have, but it's still kind of interesting to look. And one I found was they, they were like tapping watches. You got one for each wrist. And then I guess if it senses that your heart rate's going up, that it starts tapping. I've heard some about tapping, do you need a device to do that? Or can you physically just tap on your body with your fingers to help calm you down? I can't claim to be um, very knowledgeable and certainly not an expert on this. I have worked with some therapists who do tapping as part of a, a therapeutic approach called um, the emotional freedom technique. And so it, my understanding is anybody can learn it, even young children, and you can do it anytime, anywhere, and that it can very much help reduce anxiety. I am not trained in it, so I, I can't speak to how that works exactly, but um, my understanding is there's some pretty good science behind it, and there are more and more therapists in the field getting trained in this, and I've seen it used in classrooms. I've seen it used in a lot of different settings, so kids kind of have this this thing they can do anytime to kind of help regulate themselves. And so if there's technology that helps support that, I don't doubt that that could be helpful as well. Um, but that is that I think it'd be really interesting if we could get someone um, that does that, maybe come on the, the podcast sometime and talk a little bit about it because it is gaining yeah. some popularity. Yeah. I mean, cause you have pressure points in your body. So it's a matter of figuring out 
where it is and everything. Speaking of pressure points, what about weighted blankets? So weighted blankets, we, we've been talking about those for some time now. And and I that's one of those things where you either love it or you hate it. And at okay. first they were recommended. Um, I saw them recommended a lot for children who had autism. And um, but then we started to see that they were being recommended for people with anxiety and other mental health conditions. And now you can get them anywhere. You can. I've seen them at all. Yeah. <laughs> Bed Bath and Beyond. There, there are a lot of different um, just chain stores that are selling these. And they they basically can enhance your sense of comfort and security. And for kids who are really dysregulated, it can be helpful. Um, there's some you know potential. I don't want to say disadvantages, but for some kids, it it doesn't feel good. Um, Chad, mm-hmm. did you mention that? Have you ever tried one? We have. Uh, it's been a, probably about three years ago, and it, I bought the wrong weight for my son. And I used the excuse of they were so expensive. Like I saw one the other day, it was 50 bucks compared to like 200 when we got this. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, he's little, he's going to grow. So I'm going to get him one he can grow into. And he was probably maybe 55, 60 pounds. And I bought him a 15 pound blanket. Well, no wonder it was uncomfortable for the little guy. (laughs) But now I'm, I'm curious to get one that would actually be his size if he wouldn't like it, but he felt like it was smothering. Mm-hmm. Very heavy. And that's, I've heard other kids say that too. Like it has to be the right weight um, or it, it, it just, it just feels heavy and not necessarily yeah. comforting. But again, just like any of the other things that we're talking about, you know, try it. If you, um, they are less expensive now. Like you said, back when these first came out, it was kind of hard to find them and they were pretty, pretty expensive, but um, mm-hmm. I'm seeing them cheaper and cheaper. And so yeah, want to try it out. You'll want to do maybe a little bit of a online research to figure out what weight is appropriate for you or for your child, um, because I can't really give you any advice on that part. But like Chad said, if it's too heavy, it's not going to necessarily be a pleasurable experience. No, it would make them more anxious, I would think, yeah. because it would be suffocating. So we need like a blockbuster rental for uh, some of these things. You can go try it out for a few days that would and then, be so you know, cool. rewind it and return it so you don't get charged for it. But uh, that would be nice. But any other advice going into the holiday season of, of any other tricks or trinkets that you can buy that might help an anxious person? Yes, there's a couple other things I wanted to mention uh, that aren't techie items per se, but they are um, online resources that I thought might be helpful. So the first is something I found on a website, helpguide.org. And I think I plugged that website in a previous episode. But HelpGuide has the a coronavirus mental health toolkit. And mm-hmm. I just think it's a really cool resource and you, you click on it and it takes you to a screen where you can kind of identify, you know, I feel depressed, I feel lonely, I feel stir crazy. And then you click on whichever one, and then it takes you to a list of different coping mechanisms and it kind of explains why people feel the way they do and things that they can do to kind of correct that and, and just some really good advice. And so it's kind of interactive and it takes you to lots of really great articles and videos and other resources that I think can help. So especially right now, if you're still dealing with COVID related stress and anxiety, Mm -hmm. uh, the helpguide.org coronavirus toolkit is a wonderful tool. The other thing I wanted to mention is that I think our, our phones do sort of come preset with certain things to help us. And so, um, Chad, you had mentioned before, I think that you have um, a tool on your phone that allows you to kind of manage your kid's screen time a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So it shuts off at eight o'clock on weeknights, 10 o'clock on weekends, and doesn't start again until like seven o'clock the next morning, um, just so they can't lay in bed and secretly use their phone. There are things you can use like texting and phone. I should talk quietly so they don't overhear me. But yeah, you can still use that 
you just can't do like YouTubes and other games and, and stuff they play. So look into that as well, because that kind of stuff will help parents a lot manage their screen time. There's also apps that you can download that will give you more specific things you can do. So you can shut it down from um, 8 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. and then have it come back on at one o'clock in the afternoon. So you give them some time so you can do more specific times, if that makes sense. Yes, and I, I know that they have that on iPhone, and I believe Android has similar yeah, options sure as well. So I think that's a great way to, to kind of teach those limits. Um, because honestly, we as adults aren't so great at going, oh, I've had enough screen time today. I should put this down and go right. take a walk. How are our young children who are not yet fully developed and, and have all that internal self-control figured out yet? Right. How are they going to do it? So I think those tools are really, really helpful. So as we shop uh, toward the end of the year and Christmas and other holidays coming up, I uh, you know, again, if you see it on your wish list, you might have questions. You can do a lot of research and everything, but you also don't want to forget other things. And that's just human contact. Technology is great and it can help us a great deal. But, and I think about this because both of my children got new phones last year for Christmas. And mm-hmm. um, there's times where we're so glad they have them because it's it's a great resource and I love being able to contact them. But there's times when I hear, but mom, if I could just watch Netflix, I could calm myself down and go to sleep. Or if I could just have TikTok, I could do this. Or right now my 10 year old's trying to convince me that the only thing in the world she wants for Christmas is Snapchat. Um, It would help me talk to my friends. And so the thing is that, that these are really, really great things sometimes, but they do come with some risks. And so they aren't everything. And, And if you're using an app or a device to help you calm down or help you manage anxiety or to help your children sort of track and manage their symptoms, that's great. But know the limits and make sure that you have resources outside of technology to to help you. Because if you lose that phone or the electricity is down and you don't have any power to charge it, you still have to have resources. And so you cannot depend on any electronic or techie thing um, to get you through if you have anxiety or depression. I'd mentioned the cell phone contract. And again, we'll post that in the show notes. But number one, and my wife and I talked about this and the the reason we did this, instead of waiting for Christmas to give us a gift, we just got it on a random Saturday was uh, number one on the contract is this is our phone. We bought it. We pay for it. We are loaning it to you. Aren't we the greatest? <laughs> so that way it's not a, well, this was a gift, so you can't take it away. Nope. This is mine. I can take it away at any, at any point. So, well, there you go. Happy shopping for technology. I love technology. I use it all the time. And if you know me well, that that's, that's my, <laughs> That's my one man card I have. I don't do much, much manly things, but I got that technology to give me my man card. So um, with that, we'll end our bonus episode. We return again next week with our standard episodes, and we're going to delve into uh, more serious topics, and we're going to talk about what to do when you feel everyone around you in uh, friends, family, uh, teachers, professionals has given up on your child. So we'll have some great advice on that coming up. Yep. I'm looking forward to that. If you like what you hear, check us out on Facebook and Instagram, and we have a website at scrambledpodcast.com. We also have an email address, thescrambledpodcast at gmail.com. So if you have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you there. And don't forget, we really enjoy the ratings and reviews we get on the uh, app that you listen to the podcast. So we, uh, the more ratings and reviews we get, the higher up the charts it goes, the more people hear the podcast. And that's what we're all about is starting that conversation. And that conversation starts with you. 